Well, welcome to the last podcast of 2021. And we're doing a review of last night's match at Ashton Gate, where it finished City 1, QPR 2. Joining me is uh, Neil Sutton, Mark and uh, Ian. Um, What we're going to do, the usual thing, 30 seconds from all of you, just a quick overview, not individual incidents, but just your view of the game. I'll start with you first, Ian. 30 seconds. It was what's rapidly becoming a Bristol City performance. We started well. Um, large element of luck to the goal. Some good build-up play down the right-hand side. Tanner and Vyman. Vyman drives in, passes to Semenyo. Ball gets deflected by a QPR defender. He then gets deflected by another QPR defender. Uh, Alex Scott shoots. And uh, the ball finishes up in the net via yet another deflection. And from then on, up to the sending off, I think the first 20 minutes of the game, we were decent. Uh, But decent isn't enough. And we can't keep doing this. Okay, Mark, your thoughts on uh, the, the, the game as a whole? How did you see it? Right. Headline, King Hell. City slumped to another home defeat despite a a spirited performance. They started out great 20 minutes where they uh, came out of the blocks quickly uh, and and had clear-cut chances but couldn't score the second goal in discipline cost them in the end. Uh, Andy King stupidly got booked for dissent after Cameron Pring gave away a a stupid foul when there were were four, four players... Uh, uh, between uh, Adoma and the goal before he slipped the ball to Luke Amos. And then he got booked again for, a, for a trying to pull down uh, Stefan Johansson's shorts early in the second half. And then City had to fight to stay, to stay in the game, which they did until giving away uh, a, a corner at the end and, and poor marking cost them. But there was a handball on the way to the goal, but the players stopped, this player stopped playing. So... Yeah, King Hell is uh, is best described that like performance. That. I like that one, Neil. How do you, how do you beat that? Your just a brief <laughs> sort of overview of the uh, of the, the, well, the ninety I minutes. Think, I think Ian and Mark have covered it very well. I think um, the first twenty minutes we were on the front foot. Uh, we pressed. Uh, we had pace. We uh, Dowder in particular had potentially the fifteen twenty minutes of his season. The first fifteen twenty minutes. Uh, the issue we had is we just didn't take that chances. I mean, Semenyo in particular, okay, the back heel that he had, wonderful technique, good save, but straight afterwards he missed a simple tapping from six yards out. And then, of course, there was the James shot as well. Yeah. Um, on the yard box. Is it, well. Neil, are you sitting out? I don't know if it's the same for everybody else. Yeah. Sorry, Ed, what was that? Coming a bit closer to the mic, didn't you say, yeah? Yeah, Neil's cutting out about every fourth word. All right, no, that's fine. Okay. Neil, Neil, Neil can come in a bit closer. Mark said he can hear okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, Neil, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I'm calling this episode 4F and FFS. The 4Fs were for the first time in a long time. We were playing the fast front foot football that Nigel Pearson promised us when he joined back in February. And then the FFS is, you know, not getting a penalty giving away a penalty, having a player needlessly booked and sent off when he should know better, and then conceding the goal in the manner that they did at the near post with the header with uh, O'Dowda and Pring letting not the tallest man in the field get in a header, uh, which which gave the Londoners uh, all three points that they didn't deserve. You know, I felt we did... We deserved at least a draw, and we would have got that had King stayed on, I think. And, you know, who's to say that 11 against 11, we might have gone on and got the win. And as for uh, Charlie Austin, well, a bit of a snake, and uh, he should have got at least a booking. But we'll talk about the referee later on. Let's look at the starting lineups. Uh, well, the starting lineup for us. I mean, the manager made four changes. He left out the skipper, Dan Bentley. Atkinson was uh, on the bench. Chris Martin, we've been calling for that for weeks. Chris Martin was uh, was benched, as was Hanno Masengo. And in came O'Leary, Andy King, Pring and O'Dowda. I saw 
thought the side had a balanced look uh, about it. Um, Ian, uh, talk to you just you about the Bentley not starting and then there's been some comment about he knows what the rules are that the manager said so what did you think of that lineup? Well uh, Pearson said after the game um, in the Radio Bristol interview that uh, he'd been dropped he didn't think Bentley had been at his best lately and um, uh, that he's he had no he was unaware of any interest from anywhere else. So I think that's uh, somebody doing two and two makes nine. Um, and he, he, he confirmed that again and said, no, don't know about any transfer interest. Now, no player at our club, every player at our club is available for transfer after the financial statement. But what we don't have to do is sell players at uh, fire sale prices um, because we are within FFP for reasons that, I don't mind developing later on in the podcast. Um, but we're in a situation where um, any player is for sale. So rumours are going to start. It's that time of the year again. We need to bring players in. I think we will bring players in, but it, the, our activity is going to be the same as it was in the summer. In other words, yeah. we're bringing... Transfers speculation uh, later on. So focusing on the game, did you think, Ian, one word answer, Bentley, right for O'Leary to be given a chance? Because I didn't think he let us down uh, yesterday at all. And Bentley's distribution has just been route one every time, hasn't it? So yes, no to Bentley. Good decision? Yes. Yeah. Um, Mark, what were your thoughts on the, the starting lineup? It had balance. There were no square pegs in... Uh, round holes or whatever. Did you think that was a good lineup that he uh, he put out there? Yeah, yeah, because it meant we had to play the ball on the floor. Um so that so so from from that point, you know, we weren't just lumping it up in open play, but we did but O'Leary did continue to kick the ball straight up the middle. Mm. And it just came straight back because there was there's no there's no big man. I mean, Martin uh, been losing the ball in uh, most weeks because he's only he's only five foot ten as well. So we still did that for goal kicks. We didn't play out from the back from goal kicks, but I thought Max O'Leary his his uh, distribution was sound. Apart from his kicking, looked good uh, from crosses, looked uh, comfortable from saves. Uh, so really, it was a sideways move. I didn't really I didn't understand that the, the, the dropping of Bentley because. But, you know, I think Roy the Alien uh, on uh, Twitter, who's uh, got a very questionable uh, reputation with it, with a lot of his tweets, is the one that started it about Southampton. So I think it's just, just a load of rubbish, to be quite honest. But there you go. But yeah, yeah. From Mac, let's look at Max O'Leary. He had a very good game in goal, let's put it that way. But I didn't like the fact that he was just kicking it up the middle. Didn't like that yeah, at all. Okay. I mean, Neil... Um... I thought it was a balanced uh, lineup. We've been calling for Chris Martin to be uh, benched or given a rest as much as anything else. Um, were you sort of optimistic when you saw that side name? I was optimistic when I saw the way that the lineup was on the pitch. Mm. For me, it looked like a 4 2 3 1 mm -hmm. um, in it. And to see Scott playing in the position where he plays for the England under 19, yeah. I thought that was a positive step. I thought um, you could tell that QPR weren't expecting it. The way they set up, I think they were fully expecting Martin to be playing and for us to be playing a different way. And I think for 20 minutes, you know, there, there's no way that you would have uh, put Albert Adoma marking O'Dowell. No. There's no way you would have chosen that. Uh, so I think we caught them cold. I think Warburton has come out and said we... First half, we weren't at the races. They caught us cold. Uh, we were on the front foot and they weren't expecting them. We had pace on all sides and we went for it. Yeah. No. But as Mark and Ida said, we didn't take our chances in that first 20 minutes. And um, it always comes back to bite us at the moment. It does. Ian, you, you gave a good detailed account of uh, Alex Scott's goal. And as, as Neil's just said, he played in his proper uh, position. But we did regret those chance, those missed chances. And I guess, you talk about missed chances, Semenyo, that was clever technique which brought the save at the near post. And 
you know, he side-footed an easier chance wide, but that was no worse than Chris Martin did a couple of, well, beginning of the month against Derby, was it? But we could have been 3-0 up after a quarter of an hour, couldn't we? Yeah, and, and perhaps you could say we should have been 3-0 I mean, I mean uh, Deng made a good save from Semenyo. The, the cross got slightly behind him, uh, I think, so you'd have to question perhaps the run he made. Um but it, it's <clears throat> it, it's always the bridesmaid, never the bridewood city at the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah. And and where I I I was debating with some people on Twitter, I was blocking others who think calling people names is the the way to uh, engage in a debate. So they're they've all gone on the block list. Um, but I was debating with some sensible people last night who said our performance were well. One guy described our performance as great. And I and I then put five reasons on why I don't think it was great, and I'm at a reply. And when the people that did reply say, "Well, the two things that people tended to say was one, it was better than it has been, which is yeah. true. But let's be honest, some of our performances have been abysmal. Um, and it, it we tried hard. And you heard words like fight and you know." Uh, Guts and or yeah, great, fantastic. But that is a given. If you got yeah. eleven lads out of section, if you got eleven lads out of section eighty-two, you'd get that. I want those players who, according to uh, football experts, are average first team wages sixteen thousand pounds a week. I want those players to try hard. That's an absolute bare minimum. The same as I yeah. expect if if people work for me. Or if I'm working for someone, they'd expect me to try hard. So yeah. that's been that. That's a given. Yeah. That's like health and, health and safety at work. It's a given. But are you saying it? Are you saying then that they haven't shown? Well, you're not saying that because people are saying we played really well and tried. Are you? Do you feel that that level of commitment and intensity that we showed in the first twenty minutes has been lacking on occasion? Briefly. Well, it, it, I don't. A lot of the time, I think the main thing we lack is ability, and and, and that's not trying to be facetious. What what we what we lack. If you look at uh, first half against Derby, played really well. Once again, should have been three four up at half time, and we had a Derby fan on the podcast with us, friend of yours, um, and it's uh, um, and they said the same thing. Second half, go to pieces. Started well against Huddersfield um, and then letting three absolutely ridiculous goals. So mm. at the moment, we need to score at least two goals at home to get a point. Yeah. And we keep. No, that's true. Point is, my point is, Dave, we keep doing it. It's not a one off. And you could go to games, the Forest game, should have won that game hands down to lunatic. Quantity game, lunatic game, backball game. You know, I think somebody said on the uh, radio last night, we've lost about 15 points. 18. 18, Neil just said. 18 points by conceding. And if you even, even if you half that number of points by conceding late goals and add it to the points that we got at the moment, you're still in there with a playoff shout. So it's psychological. Um, Mark, uh, contentious point in the game. Uh, the penalty that wasn't given on Alex Scott. Uh, I've looked at it three or four times now, and certainly from behind the goal. Blatant, yeah. What were your thoughts on on I, the, I, that? I haven't I haven't seen it as a, as a, uh, on as a recording. I mean, at a time I just saw a long ball over the top and Scott going for it and 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 some contact. But no, I haven't seen a replay of it, unfortunately. So, uh, I mean, I've just looked at the the long YouTube highlights. Uh, which don't which don't include it. So uh, I don't know if it's on the on the club on the club highlights, but um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I I haven't seen it, so I can't really make a comment. I'm sorry. Is it is it All actually right. on? Is it online somewhere? It, it's available. I've seen it. Somebody recorded it off their TV as well, which is how I watched it. Uh, but it's mm. on the Sky highlights. But there's another set of highlights that I thought was what I watched the first time. It's not on there. Neil, you're you're. Yeah, I, I saw it on Quest last night. From my viewpoint in the Dolman, I thought it was coming together and I thought, oh, I've seen them given. Um, and I thought at that time, okay, it's one of those. We didn't get it. I've subsequently seen it on Quest 
and it is blatant. It is it is a penalty, and I'm not just saying that being a City fan. It is it is a penalty. I think it's a long ball out from us, and I think the referee and we'll obviously come to the referee in a bit. But the referee is obviously 30, 30 odd yards behind. Yeah. And at that time, he's going to be looking over at his linesman and expecting some sort of reaction from the linesman. Yeah. And as we say, we'll get to the officials later on. But uh, it was right in front of the linesman. It was a penalty for me. Yeah. Ian, we come on to the next contentious point uh, with, with you. Um, the one that wasn't given, obviously we've just discussed that, but the one that was, um, clumsy tackle by Cameron Pring when he didn't really need to do it because there was a player facing the on-rushing player into the box. So no doubt about the penalty uh, given to them, was there? None at all. Yeah, no, um, absolutely no, none at all. It was an absolutely ridiculous challenge from Pring. And I I think I was disappointed with both our full-backs last night. Tanner doesn't seem to me as if he's, if he's fit and whether he can play regular championship football, I don't know. And I thought some of Pring's decision-making was really poor. He's, he's one of those guys that looks decent going forward, but I think sometimes... He's brave enough, he's physical enough and all the rest of it, but sometimes his decision-making leaves a lot to question. I'm surprised we didn't replace him last night as we had a substitute and bring De Silva on just for the sheer legs in the last 20 minutes. I think Pearson made pretty poor use of his subs last night. I, I, Ian, I've got to agree with you there because I thought, you know, bringing, even bringing Chris Martin on for the last 20 minutes or Naki, you know, either of those... To give because Semenyo ran his socks off. Yeah, sometimes it's misplaced uh, energy. We we'll come on to individual performances in a minute. Um, last night's referee, can I, Ian, Dave, you... Dave. Can I can I just say I'll, I'll do the referee, but um, not literally, obviously. Um, can I just say if Chris Martin would have come on, we wouldn't have conceded that second goal because that's his position at the front post to head stuff like that away. And, and yeah. we had O'Dowda trying to cover it and, and Barbie just mugged him off I and mean, he got up completely unmarked and glanced yeah. at him from close range. Yeah. Sorry, no, were, you, were you going to ask about the referee? Well, I, I was just going to make one comment about the referee uh, and we can all say our bit here. Um, and this is what Ole put on one team in Bristol and everybody will remember this game. Uh, well, it was a thrill draw at Preston just over two years ago and uh, he's quoted here, frenetic end-to-end game paid out in biblical reign that had everything, except a halfway competent referee. Not only was City inexplicably den denied a fully deserved winner from Dijou's brilliant one-two and finished to steal an end-to-end -end thriller, but a mash official finished the game, penalising City at every opportunity. Yeah, And he gave Preston two penalties to get back from two goals down, allowed a questionable third, Preston equaliser, and as said, disallowed two City goals. Name of that referee? Andy Davis. What do we know about him? Comes from Yeovil, fouled on the playing pitch. I put the conspiracy theorist question that was he rejected as a youngster by Bristol City and he's got a thing against us. There we go. I've got that off my chest. Go on. Yeah, but it, uh, how do you know he failed as a player? Where did he fail as a player? Well, he's a Parks player. He was at Yeovil. He's a Parks player. And if you've seen Nigel Pearson's well, comment, you could probably get sent. Yeah, but loads of people... I mean, if you want to bring it down to that, I never played professional football, nor did you, nor did Mark. So it no. was all fell purely It's purely conspiracy. That's all I'm saying, I, right? Dave, it's it's nonsense, isn't it, really? And, and ain't, I mean, ain't, I wouldn't rely on it in court. Let's put it that way. No, absolutely. Um, it's complete nonsense. I'm just speculating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... You know, I wouldn't want to stand up in stand up in court and use that. Oh well, Your Honour, there's this bloke, uh, yeah, he's born yeah. in Yeovil, and he and he's a failed Parks player. And look, he's horrible to us. And look, well, there you I go. No, you're absolutely right. Anyway, look, let's move on. Um, he, was, he was an awful. He was an awful referee. I haven't seen the penalty back on Scott, but I, I'll take people's word for it that it was a blatant body check and took him out. And I noticed how far he was behind play probably as any referee would, because the ball got whooshed down the middle. So, yeah, yeah so I'm not making excuses for him. Uh, I'm not one of these people that says, oh, well, you know, if you give one, you've got to give the other. Well, you haven't. What you've got to do, two rights don't make a wrong. 
and two wrongs don't make a right. So I, I think, and he was right on top of the Pring one, and it was a penalty. If that would, yeah, no, he was. He was right there. I've been screaming. So he was right yes, there. He was a terrible. He was a terrible, terrible referee, and I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that. There we go. You see now, Matt. Matt Wiz. Here we go. Look, Matt Wiz. So Matt Wiz has made a comment on here. This is accurate stuff. Yeah. He has told us that Andy Davis played for Gillian Portsmouth and Yeovil and retired through injury at 28. So I think that adds fuel to my conspiracy theory <laughs> that maybe as a 16-year-old oh, who went on trial yeah, and was rejected. But there we go. He was a complete, read my Twitter post. You can, well, I called him a class one, four-letter word that we're not going to repeat on here because this is a family podcast. Mark, um, one question, well, not one question, one decision the referee did get right, and for me, it was the turning point of the game, and that was the second booking of Andy King, right, who got booked for dissent at the time of the penalty. And then, as I think you said in your summary of the game, trying to pull your hands and pants down in the middle of the field when no threat at all. Two yellow cards. Any complaints about that, Mark? None at all. I mean, it, it comes from our corner. We played the ball back. I think James James plays the ball to to, uh, to King and he loses control of it, facing his own goal. And he's he's midway in 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 their half, and then just puts his arms round him, wrestle, 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 trying to control the ball. And as soon as he's he referee blows his whistle, he's he's off. He he, he just walks off. He knows it is he's gone. And the referee the referee didn't cost us last night. City's indiscipline cost us last night. The stupidity of of, of Cameron Pring to you know to give away a penalty. When there were still players in the area that Amos had to get past, he'd actually got on his left foot to shoot because I think mean, Atkinson was in front of him. Although he we got, he squeezed his way past four players, and I think we conceded a goal earlier in the season, um, similarly down the right hand side against Swansea when, when we had players between between man and the ball and, and shot ourselves in the foot. But it's just stupid, stupid indiscipline because we were playing well. Uh, the team, the team had balance. We pressed well in in the first half. We didn't play great all game, no. But we, it, it looked like a side play, playing a higher back line that could could still go on and win the game. And he totally tanked that through through his. Oh, it's just, I'm, I mean, if we're giving him a mark, I'm giving him a minus five because that was absolutely stupid. What was the guy thinking? Well, and exactly. I listened to, I mean, I listened he... to Pearson's. Peer, Pearson said. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And then the interviewer said to him, "Did you do you think he knew he got booked in the first half?" <laughs> yeah, the Red Robin. Said I'm on not the sure. Text I'm not. I'm not sure. Of course, he knew he was. See my descent. I mean, it's see, just, that's just see, mad. see, see, see my reply to Red Robin. King yeah. started walking before the referee got. No, he yeah, was walking off like yeah. a batsman in a Pearson test match. Said, he said, "The interviewer says to Pearson, do you think he knew he was booked in the first half?'" Yeah, but he <laughs> started. He started walking like a batsman who knows he's out when he's yeah. been called out. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, Neil, your yeah, thoughts exactly. on, on Neil, your thoughts on that? I think the most shocking thing about it last night is that Pearson has already has always upheld King as the experience in the side. That he's the leader in the side. That he, you know, he's one of these players that he's inferred that he trusts. Yeah, and that was such a needless booking for dissent. Well, the first one, the first one. Yeah, absolutely needless booking for the dissent. And then, you know, that's the type of thing you get from an irritable eighteen-year-old. Yeah, that's not. That is not. An experienced player. Did you say Randy Wyman or Andy? Andy, 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 Andy We're not going into your record collection, Dave. I know he's got a lot of kids, but Randy Wyman and the Wymanettes. <laughs> but 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 after after we went down to ten men, uh, Neil, we didn't do too badly, did we? We had no. We did. That's where we showed the spirit. I I think there was a. From my position, I think the team thought there was a bit of a sense of injustice from the referee. Yeah. And I think collectively, they didn't allow QPR to dominate us in the way in which I fully expected them to do when we went down to 10 men. Um, there was a time against Bournemouth at the start of the season. Okay, Bournemouth, completely different side, but King went off injured after we used the three subs. Mm. And we went down to 10 men and we just gave up on the game. Mm. Last night, 
I saw players absolutely busting a gut out there, yeah. putting everything. I saw there was a time in the second half when they broke away and I think they had a three-on-one. And I saw six players absolutely sprinting to get back. The midfield sprinting and, and Viner, I think, did a good challenge to get it away. I saw players on that pitch last night give 100%. Yeah. No, I, think, I mean, Tomo's got a text uh, up on here. Great listen, lad. Thanks, Tomo. And he said, uh, it was four years ago to the day, that famous match against Wolves, which we lost 2-1, and we were winning that one. And he said, we've been in decline ever since. He said, last night, we saw some positive signs. So hopefully, that's marked a turnover. I actually thought that the first 20 minutes last night, I thought, is this going to be the rebirth after four years of... Uh, after four years of decline, there's no two ways about it. Looking at that, um, just to wrap up on the game, the second, the, the winning goal, it was a heartbreaker for City, but as you said, badly defended. But you got to say we were worth a point overall, weren't we? Yeah or no? It is what it is. Well, you know, if you look at the league table, that's where you deserve to be. Bournemouth aren't top because they've had a bit of luck in a few games. They're top because they're the best team. Uh, yeah. And it, and it's as simple as that. Um, uh, this thing about a new dawn. I, I mean, the question I'd ask everybody is how many false dawns have there been? Because I can remember literally hundreds. Um, I agree about going downhill since the Wolves game. Are we going back uphill? Uh, no. I, I, I really. I. There's always a team at the end of the season, or normally there's always a team at the end of the season. Um, they get sucked into the relegation fight from above. And that could well be us. Because we're we're not uh we're not, we're we're we are um nondescript as a team. And I can only tell you what I see. Last night was it better than it has been? Yes, but it's been yeah. dreadful. So better than dreadful isn't good enough, um, and wouldn't be good enough in any setting. Um, have we got the players to turn it around? Ooh, no. Um, do we defend well? No. Do we attack well? Score a few goals? No. Uh, are we? Could we? Do we control the ball in midfield? Control possession? No. Um, and I, I think we immediately need three quality players. And I don't mean three. Oh, he'll be great in two years' time. We do not. What you're saying is, here yeah, we're pretty <laughs> at the end of it, aren't we? That's the bottom line. Well, you know, look at the league table. Yeah. Look at, well, no, look, look, look at the league table. Look, I mean, look at Derby County. You know, they're making. You know, who's not going to rule them out? That's pushing it. Seventeen points behind us, but yeah, the seventeen way points go, behind the us. They got a chance, haven't they? You know. Um, You've got yeah, uh, but don't forget they've got to get seventeen to get level with us. They've got to get seventeen points more than us from the next yeah. twenty. What was it 24, 23 games? Twenty two games. Twenty two games left. Twenty two games. So if we picked yeah. up a point a game at twenty two, they're not going to do it. Thirty nine. Yeah. So no. I, I would I would say no. But the the other side. I mean, if we'd have won last night, it wouldn't have been eight points. It would have been uh, 11 points clear of Peterborough, then another win on Sunday, and you could be 14 points clear. Now, at that point, I still wouldn't start looking up the table because we're just nowhere near good enough. No. Um, but three three players can make a lot of difference, but I don't think... Is there three players out there that we can afford that can change our season? Well, that's the thing. I mean, we'll to, we I, come on I, to transfers in a minute. I, I just I, come up on Twitter. I doubt it. Yeah, just come up on Twitter. Andy King has posted this. Last night was a bitter pill to swallow. As an experienced player, I should know not to let the passion of being desperate to win and getting frustrated with decisions. Tried my judgment on the pitch, and I didn't do that. The lads are brilliant with 10 men, as was the support to the last whistle. I take full responsibility for the result and am deeply sorry. Um, Mark, that's a pretty big apology to make. It doesn't help, but, you know, he's held his hand up there. It should should do better, shouldn't he? 
But hang on, yeah, could I just... Yeah, hang on, let Mark, let Mark have a say. Let's Mark have a say. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, he stepped forward, held his hand up, but Andy, I said, why the hell did you do it in the first place? <laughs> what, why, did, why did you do it? I mean, I never... That you don't... You, you wouldn't expect... You, you would expect better by a player that was brought in, supposedly, as an exper- experienced head. So, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks for, for apologising, but not good enough. Um, you know, you can, you know, you're out of the team for the next game, and you're going to work. Have to work hard. You're going to have to do a lot better than that if you want to see a, a spot in Bristol City again, because you, you're you're a disgrace doing that. You cost us three points. Disgraceful. Sorry. There you go, mm. Neil. You're, you've made that apology. That's sort of come out. Yeah, I, uh, I think. Are we going to talk about the substitutions? His use of substitutions before. Yeah, we we'll bring bring on? yeah bring that up now. Talk about it stuff now if you want to. I think we played 90 minutes last night without a forward on the pitch. Okay, we're not Man City, but we obviously try to play that way. But for me, going into the last five minutes of the game, still not to have made any substitutions other than the one for Tanner's injury, just to disrupt the game, just a bit of game management. Mm. Um, Say what you will about Martin. One of the things that he has scored highly on this year is the amount of headers that he wins. And the last five, ten minutes, they were getting corners, they were putting balls in the box. And the one thing we missed was a dominant header of the ball in, in the box. You know, another physical, defensive header. And not to bring Martin on, I thought it was bizarre. Yeah. Uh, to bring Naki on, I think he was hoping for some sort of miracle 93rd minute breakaway like what happened at Loftus, but I'm not sure Naki necessarily was the player to come on at that stage. And, um, of course, we only used two substitutions anyway. So the third substitution, they scored in the 93rd minute. Why we didn't try and run the clock down um, by making a third substitution um, is yeah. beyond me. I know he doesn't like making substitutions needlessly and there has to be some sort of thought behind it. But again, it's the game management side of things. Um, and you only have to look at how many times we've conceded in 90-plus minutes well, of the season. I know. Well, if, if, you look, if, you look at, if you look at the goal, there, there, was, a, there was a tiredness uh, in, in the build-up to, build to the corner that, that just shows. I mean, there's, I've, I've looked at the goal again, and we fly hack the ball from, uh, from, our own, from our own line on the left-hand side. Then, then uh, O'Dowda can't control it. He, you know, he's got a chance to control it. Mm-hmm. James loses it before it comes back to Johansson, who handles it. And there's three players who suddenly put their hands up and stop playing. And he plays the ball straight through to Austin, and, and then Pring makes the uh, Pring makes makes the tackle. But Barbe just walks off of uh, O'Dowda, and I mean, in a tussle, I mean, it's complete one. You know, it's completely one sided. Why didn't somebody go with Barbe? He just he just walks uh, towards the edge of the six yard box. It's obviously planned. Good short corner from Johansson. He heads it up and, and up and over. You know, yeah. uh, it t- tiredness and indiscipline again in the defending. Unfortunately, from a tired team that needed some fresh legs, uh, yeah. you know, some physical some physical strength. Really, the only well, you wouldn't have got fresh legs. Why not? You'd got fresh legs. You'd have got fresh legs, but uh, you wouldn't have had the physicality if Jada Silver had come on. And it was interesting, the number of times that long diagonal ball was played by QPR down to our left side. Yeah, but played to Adoma, who was far more effective in the second half, which says a lot about how ineffective um, Callum O'Dowda was in the second half. Um, I'll come to each of you on... Uh, Hang on a minute. Well, well, hang on a minute. Uh, how about Cameron Pring? Because he was playing left back. How about him? Well, yeah, no, um, yeah, no, no, he wasn't. They, they, and I've said this about Cameron Pring before. He runs out of puff on about 70 minutes. So then we start talking about fitness again and all those issues. But let well, me come we, to we, you. Before Dave, sorry, Dave, yeah. before we, we leave Andy King altogether, can anybody tell me the reason why he had to make that challenge? Because I can, I can, and I'll cut through it and tell you the reason. He was knackered. He was blowing out of you know where, and he could, he could not run alongside and get past the bloke. And it's his first game in a while, and he should have been subbed off before that. So that was another poor use of a sub. Should have got Masengo on before that. 
he was absolutely blowing. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, you're right. But he's one of his favourites. Um, and 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 when he's he's well, fit, when he's <laughs> fit and available, they play. And look, he came off against. I think somebody pointed out on the pod a few minutes ago, the Bournemouth game when he came off and we went down to ten men. It was it was him like oh, I'm coming off now. I'm yeah. knackered. Yeah. He came off. He he virtually walked off in that game as well. So you know, if yeah, he's he, only he, a one year contract, no, hang on, he, he didn't just walk off. He came off. And he had a hamstring injury, and then he had an operation, and we've hardly seen him since. All right, so he so went was, off. That was, was his, that was his first game last. That was his first game last night for God knows how long, months, isn't it? Yeah, I think. I, yeah, Neil. I think Ian. I think Ian with that. He was. It looked to me, the touch that he made. He's a professional. He's an international player who hasn't played a lot of football. And when yeah. he lost yeah. that ball, that first touch with his, you know, where he's facing his own goal, he knew he'd made a mistake and he was probably annoyed with himself. And then he compounded yeah. that mistake by holding on to Johansson. And then watching right. it last night, he compounded it again by then putting his arms around him. So I think he was yeah. annoyed with himself and annoyed with his lack of control. And that's what's come out. And that's, his, that's and what's that, come out. And that's apology. Because, because he was. Then, and lack of control was, of the actual ball on the second one. But he was he was physically in men. It was just after half time though, wasn't it? So he just had 50, a break. 50, well, 50, 56 minutes. I mean, he, yeah. he he knows he's carrying. The thing is, he got to go into the second half knowing he's on the yellow card. Don't make any stupid challenges. You're right. I I, I think Neil he, he had a, a a brain a brainstorm because his yeah. first touch was awful. Because he, he, yeah. he the goal, his first touch, the ball ran away from him, and then Johansson's passed him, and then he he grabs him. He grabs him about three times, to, so he can't he can't keep running because. Uh, I think you know uh, uh, QPR have got um, have, you know got uh, have got more men going forward, so that that's why he's worried. He just had a brainstorm, but it doesn't excuse it. He should when he went into the second half, he should he should know that he's on a yellow card and he mustn't make any stupid challenges. I mean, you say that and Nathan Baker, uh, but you know. And, he, and he's done that before, uh, funny enough, against QPR. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got, you, you've got to show your discipline. You know, you've got to go in. Go in. I mean, remember Riley Towner being taken off before half-time against Swansea last season because he was booked. And, and uh, Pearson thought, he, he, he's, he's, you know, he, he was showing signs of giving away a, uh, another, uh, an, an, you know, an, another bookable offence. But you don't expect an experienced player, an, an international player, to do that when you're in the clubs in such a precarious position. They've already blown a one-goal lead. Don't yeah. give the other side a, 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 an advantage. And that's what he did. Unforgivable. Yeah. And All right. Just, I want to come to I'll just say one thing. I've just seen that I, I saw that I've just looked at this on Twitter. And if you if you tweet, if you if you search Bristol City in closed caps, somebody called Dave Sainsbury's posted it. It's a long ball from Viner over the top, and Barbe uh, uh, Scott loses Barbe, but the other guy comes in from the side as he's waiting for the ball to drop on the right hand side of the penalty area. Clear penalty. In fact, yeah. he. He's worried. If you look at his reaction, uh, it might be Dickey, uh, the other central defender. He's worried that there's going to be a decision. So he presses his hands down, both hands by his side. Think worried that there's going to be a penalty. So he's obviously worried about the challenge. Clear penalty. Yeah. So in and, that, and you're talking about the Scott incident uh, there yeah, for that. Yeah. Okay, let me come to each of you on individual player performances. So we're not going to go through the whole team. We're not going to do markings or anything like that. But uh, come to you first, Ian, your player. I like your assessment of Zach Viner because he's got his critics on here, including ourselves. And he started off right of a central two with Callas playing on his less preferred option on the left. Then he had to move out to right fullback when George Tanner went off. I don't know what the latest on Tanner is. But overall, Zach Viner... I thought he was all right. What did you think, Ian? Yeah, I thought he had a decent game last night. Um, he, he wasn't the howler that he's capable of, and I suppose all players are, but Zach's had a habit of uh, Coventry City being a classic, Coventry City away being a classic example this season of a of a Viner howler. Um, but I thought it looked a lot better when he was there with the Callas than when Atkinson came on, because Atkinson still, to me, isn't right after his injury and illness. He's not yeah. the player he was at the start of the season and his distribution is rank. 
Yeah, he's not as assertive as he was. Right, your player, Ian, uh, your player, Mark, that I'd like your opinion on is uh, Callum O'Dowda. I think Neil said early we saw, you know, what Callum O'Dowda can do in the first 20 minutes of the game. And then in the second half, okay, it's over the far side because I sit in the Lansdowne. Um, you know, flattered to deceive or would you happily see him as a regular starter, Mark? No, I see him as a regular starter. I mean, he flourished in that system and it, and I think it helped um, with the two sitting midfield players. I mean, you know, playing the ball around the corner uh, with, a, with, a high, with a higher line, which meant we, we, turned, we, we, we turned over the ball and he, he did some great pressing as well in the first half. Uh, down down the left flank enabled him to get lots of crosses into the, into the box. Second half, I think we got to remember that for, for 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 37 minutes we were playing with 10 men, so it, it completely changed changed his role. Um, so yeah. you know we weren't going to see him going forward because we had our backs to the wall. But no, I think he was it was one of our best players. He was right? say, oh, fair enough, fair enough. And um, Neil, I want to ask you about Randy Vyman. I was yeah. going to say my main, my main man, Randy. I think I, I, Richard Latham in one of the uh, mid-season pods that we did, mid-season review pods last week, he made the comment of uh, Andy Wyman, let's give him his correct uh, Christian name, that he run, he's a bit like a speedboat that's out of control. Just running. What, what, were, your thoughts on that, yeah. what were your thoughts of Wyman last night? Because he's an experienced pro and he runs down these needless... He did one where he really hassled a bloke once. But other than that, I thought, again, not a great performance. Well, there is, uh, I remember one of your other uh, podcasts, uh, Dave, you mentioned his scoring. Yeah. I think he's only scored in five games this year, hasn't he? That's right. There's uh, four doubles and a, and a and single. single. Um, there was an ability there, but he just goes missing in games. If I was to come out of that game last night and you were to ask me, what did Andy Vyman do in that game last night? I'm not entirely sure no. that I could come up with a list of his contributions because he was anonymous in it. And other than the fact that I know he got a book, booking for dissent again, yeah. um, I can't actually remember him having him. No. And he was beating the ground in frustration yeah. when he got run off the ball. As yeah. I say, that guy, he's got a wholehearted commitment, which is what gets him in there, but he's been stealing a wage of quite a substantial amount. Okay, lesser terms now, but... Why play him uh, 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 on, on the right of a three? Um, and, uh, well, you could have you played him up. You could have played him as a lone striker with Semenyo on the right, and with Semenyo pushing the yeah, ball past, or, or you could have played. Or you could have played more effective. I'd sooner see i sooner see Benarus given a run out, and there's twelve years age difference between them. But you'd expect more of a contribution from one of your senior players. And if we think about it, you know, again picking up on comments from Otib last night, we were let down by. Senior players last night. Well, notably, um, notably King. It, it was it was very difficult. I think to sit back now the morning after and to think about that game, and that there's almost an element of what could have been because yeah. we were on top. We conceded a needless penalty. Then we had the whole Charlie Austin instance at the end of the half, which upset a lot of people. That I'm sure we'll come to. The second half hadn't really got going before we were down to ten men. So, any once we went down to ten men, the way we were playing yeah. ultimately changed straight away. Yeah. Any future substitutions, any future game plan went out the window. Yeah. So whether or not we would have been able to have our twenty minutes that City do in a game, we we tend to play for twenty minutes here or ten minutes here or. 15 minutes there, or in, in the Barnsley at home game, it was like five minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. Outside of that five minutes, they were on top the whole time. But we don't control a game for any consistent period of time. We have our little moments in a yeah. game and our little periods, but then we fall back on just sitting back and, yeah. and other teams get on top. I think I've seen that City have got the worst second half ratios of any club in the championship this season which is that I don't think we've actually won a second half I that's think interesting I've, I think I've seen somewhere that we haven't actually gone and scored a goal and won a second half one nil or anything like that um, 
do we oh no of course the QPR game yeah we won it late but yeah. we scored it yeah. was a 1-1 one, one second half in that game wasn't yeah. it okay um, that's an interesting observation uh, Ian I described the referee last night as a class one but um, what was your thought on Charlie uh, Austin because I think he deserves to be right up there and you could call him a class one as well you, Charlie Austin his antics before the interval after he'd scored that pen well, I mean, honestly, I couldn't care less. Um, he should have been booked. Uh, he, he, he should have been booked, but he's not the brightest. He's not, you know, if you ever heard him speak, he's not the sharpest knife in the box. So, uh, but he probably got he probably got a load of stick from. And, and I'll tell you something. I will say, it makes me smile with fans. They can be there calling him all kinds of "see you next Tuesdays" and God knows what, and chanting it, and saying this, and saying that, and saying the other. The minute a player gives them some back, oh, he should be reporting to the police. He can't do that to me. He can't say that. So <laughs> you know, you 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 give it, you take it, get on with it. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares about Charlie Austin? No, honestly? that's true. No, that's true. No, Ian, you're right. Mark, there was an interesting table that came out yesterday. You might have seen it. I think it was on Twitter. And it was league. It was performances in the calendar year for all 92 clubs, right? And little old Bristol City, we're down there in 87th, yeah? 87th in terms of overall performance in the 365 days that made up the year. The only good thing about that was that Rovers, I think, were about 89th or 90th. Poor. I mean, let's be honest, Mark, 2021 has been an absolutely year for City, hasn't it? In every respect. Mark, quick 30 seconds from you on that. Oh, it's, been, it's been a year, we, we, you know, we want to we forget. Um, to, you know, going, go, you know, falling off a cliff under uh, under Dean Holden and... and uh, Nigel Pearson and, and managed to change it. I mean, we've lowered our expectations uh, with him. Uh, you know, saying we've, we we expect to struggle, but we've we've really struggled. He should be doing a lot better. But it's a year that we want to forget. I mean, the last four years uh, we wanted to forget, but this had been like hell. This had been an event horizon of a year for Bristol City. Um, yeah. If we come out of it in May and we've still got our, uh, our championship status, thank you to whoever whoever is up there. If you're an atheist, whatever. Uh, but yeah. yeah, oh God, I want to write this year off. It's like an event horizon. It's a the road to hell. Yeah, I mean Neil, it has been you know it has been bad, hasn't it? And it hasn't really got any better under Nigel. <laughs> and is his reputation keeping him in a job? Would you say? I don't know if it's his reputation. I think it's just a, a question of there's an expectation that would that we're just on this downward trajectory at the moment. I think as as a club, we, um, you know, any other normal time last night, conceding in the 93rd minute, there was almost, oh, here we go, Groundhog Day again. Yeah. And with some of our performances, the, the, uh, the Coventry away. Yeah. When they're down to 10 men. Yeah. And they scored three goals against us yeah. when they're down to 10 men. Yeah. And throughout the course of 2021, we've just seen bizarre performances where okay last season's team gave up i think yeah. that's fair to say yeah and I if think, the season had gone on for another month we'd have gone down wouldn't we and some of that may be due to uh the contract negotiations and ashton doing what he did and saying what he said and a number of the players and he's inherited squad dave, but I'm, dave i'm struggling to other managers i'm where are you in now yeah, other managers, other managers have gone in to other clubs in the championship and had a positive effect. Yeah, and Nigel, for whatever reason, I'm still behind him. I'm yeah. not going to slam him here. No. I, I, I still don't think there's a three-year project, and that is based on the amount of high wage earners that are leaving the club in, by summer 2023, <laughs> which is when their contracts are up, and that is why it is three years. But we can't go on the way we are at the moment. Something has to change, either as we're going to get to with the January window or the summer yeah. window, or we need to take a hit on some of these players that aren't even in a playing squad and are getting 25,000 yeah. a week. 
Yeah, Ian, um, we're gonna. I think we'll talk in depth about the finances uh, probably in the window uh, more in detail. But a shit year was. I've said it now. It was summed up when the results were. There's no good day to publish bad news, so they did it on the the sort of that period between Christmas and New Year. It was about four million worth worse than we thought and let's not get into the ramifications of covid allowances and everything like that but 38 million loss is a headline figure yeah to cap a crap year what do you see happening in the transfer window that is it possible to get better than what we've got with limited funds without selling ian you first on that well, we need we need sixty. Uh, we've got sixty six points left to play for, and we need twenty three of those points, or thirty five percent, if you prefer, uh, in order to stay up. Um, if we can't do that, we deserve to be shot. Never mind relegated. But um, I don't have a great deal of confidence in a manager with Pearson's record, which is. Uh, I don't know about second to none, it, it's fourth to quite a few. His record's abysmal. He's only won nine games out of 38 since he joined the club. We've got a minus 17 goal difference in that period and a win rate of 24 Does that, does that include now, a Middlesbrough game, Ian? No, um, it doesn't. So if you contrast that with, say, what uh, Valerian Ishmael did at Barnsley and what Neil Cooper has done at Forest, who will have... Uh, even more highly paid players than we've got, um, then I can't see why the guy's still in the job. And it's okay having a three-year contract, but that can't include getting relegated in any one of them. And I've got severe... <clears throat> I voiced it before, I'll voice it again until somebody can give me a good reason to think otherwise. Um, I'm, I don't think Pearson's the man. I don't think he's demonstrated that he's the man and there's no evidence. Now, what do I think we'll do in the window? I think we may bring in some out-of-contract players, uh, but on the basis of the ones we signed, I think you could say that James has been um, marginally successful, and I think you could say the same about Vyman, despite what you were saying about him. He is our top goal scorer, um, and he can, he can finish, which a lot of our other forwards struggle with. I mean, last night, did Weidman or O'Dowd have a shot on target? And I nope. think Semenya had one. So that's why I judge forwards on two things, goals and assists. You know, work rate is, like I say, that's a given. Yeah. Um, can we, to answer your question, can we bring in better players than the ones we've got? Well, God, I hope so. Um, but without a clear identity, without a clear pattern of play, um I think whoever we bring in may struggle. And based on the two lads that we've brought in, I thought Atkinson did very well to start with. Mm. Something's wrong. He's, he's, he's off where he was. And I don't know if Tanner is, is physically up to it. And he went off injured again last night. So is it his hamstring again? Well, the new, the new Nathan Baker, perhaps, yeah? Maybe the new Nathan well, Baker. I, I don't know. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't put it that strongly at the moment. But I'm just saying as he was brought in as... In uh, parentheses, one for the future. I'm concerned that you know we need ones for now, but it's no good bringing in a young lad and saying, "Oh, you will see what this kid's like in two or three years' time." So if we get relegated, he won't be here. So, um, right. and that's why, to be honest, I'd like to see sensible use of loans because then, yeah. if it doesn't really work and Pearson does need to go, um, then at least you're not burdened. With, more with three year, con you're not burdened with a three year contract of a player who doesn't fit the new manager if there was one. Uh, exactly doesn't that, doesn't fit with their plans, Ex yeah. exactly, exactly that. And I think that's maybe another reason because Nigel Pearson's got a major problem if he loses this job because it, he will really he'll go down the same route as is a lot of managers you never hear of anymore. I'm talking about John Gregory, Brian Little, who had good jobs at the time, but. You don't hear about them anymore because they yeah. they get judged as being being yesterday's man. Chris Hutton could be another after what happened to him at Forest. Yeah, yeah, gave, I agree. The, it, it's pivotal for him to get it right at Bristol City for his good as yeah. well as ours, as well as the absolutely hundred percent. And, and he's he's 
it's, it's just, I'm sorry, but it's just not happening yet. I'd love it if it was. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see us yeah. lose games like that. But And, and, and you have to think, the first 20 minutes, the crowd was really up for it last night. The first 20 minutes, you're thinking, this is it. You know, because we had a side that had some decent shape to it. Okay, Mark, let me ask you sort of, sort of like the same question, really. I mean, the finances have come out. You know, but I see no point in signing the much heralded Rotherham striker, even if he'd want to come here. Eight thirty, you know, with wages and a three-year contract, you're talking a two and a half million pound commitment. Say, right? I part of me thinks, unless it's an outstanding signing, and you know, I, I mooted the idea of Dwight Gale as somebody else picked up on the other day, which is again stupid by me, perhaps. Other than outstanding signing, I'm minded on loan. I'm minded to go with what we've got. And as Ian said, we got to pick up, you know, on aggregate, seven wins between now and the end of the season, throw in a couple of draws, yeah? But should we just forget this transfer window? And even if players are sold, there's an argument for saying, well, you know, that's going to reduce the losses this season and... We've got FFP to worry about more so next season. We don't know what COVID uh, allowances are going to be. But I'm saying, Mark, just not do anything this transfer window because we can't get better than what we've got without spending money. And we haven't got that. Well, if you spend, if you try to spend money even for lower league players, you're going to get inflated. You're going to get inflated transfer fees, even you know, even for for, for bang average average players like like Michael Smith for a team that's near the top of League One. So I forget that. But why not use the loan system? I think that's been a bit the biggest mistake this season. There's other other teams that have used the loan system far well. Use the loan system well because they're they're on uh, a worse financial footing than Bristol City. So if you if you did that, bring in two or three players on loan, uh, then you can you can start again in the summer and, and wheel and deal because January is just really right. really really difficult. Right, let me ask you a question. Then, I guess Council is doing it. When was the last time? And I'm sure there's a simple answer to this. When was the last time we signed a loan player in January window? Yeah, because you could say Tammy Abraham, but that was at the start of the season, four seasons. When was the last time we signed a loan player or players in January that added to what we got? Tom, well, the, the January window, I don't know how long the window's been around, about five years, five years ago, nobody, as far as I know, nobody at all. I can't remember yeah, anybody. Yeah, Neil Lee Tomlin. On yeah. loan. On loan, Lee Tomlin. Yeah. Came in and oh, yeah, sorry, Lee Tomlin then. Goiki, yeah. that's going back. Uh, that's going back six years then, isn't it? It's the fifteen, sixteen season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomlin. I tried to forget him about him, but Greg's Greg's the uh, obviously. Well, at least we didn't lose money on him because that had all the propensity. That was a knee jerk signing, if ever there was one. Getting uh, Lee. Well, we, Lee we, 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 we we signed we signed him based on. On our experience, that he did really well, but then he decided to play, be an asshole when he after he signed, didn't he? To be, he did. That's why. Okay. That's why. Right. That's why. Lee Tomlin is a maverick. That's why he had so many clubs because he was a he was a, a dressing room wrecker in all of them, wasn't he? He was a yeah, problem no, player. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, that's why he's doing nothing now. Yeah, Neil. Um, stick stick with what we've got in the transfer window. For, for me, I think we do need a few players in because I think particularly after yesterday I think did Semenyo go off injured? No. No he got cramp and he went off it was cramp was it? was it cramp was it? and Tanner's out injured Simpson's not going to play play again after West Brom away I think that's quite I wouldn't be surprised if we're settling up with him at some stage or something Um, I think we need an upgrade at fullbacks Mm. I think we're not defending well as a unit. We're making mistakes as a unit at, in the fullback positions. If he's not going to be playing Jay De Silva, which evidently he's not, um, then a right back. If he's not going to play Simpson, which is what we just said, Tanner's injured, hamstring looking like, month out, you've got a decision to make. Do you play Viner there? I agree with Ian that uh, Viner last night, I'm not a big fan of Viner, as my two sons can tell you, sitting next to me in the Dolman. But I thought he was very good last night. Yeah. I thought he had one of his better games last night. But is he the answer right back for the season? I don't think so. 
I, I saw him at the start of the season playing consistently in that position and and I, I I don't see him as a right back. So we have problems in the fullback positions. For me, if you had to buy or, or loan two or three players in, I would be looking at left back and right back positions. So defensive. Defensive. Well, yeah. Because if, if you're not going to win a game, I know Pearson said this last year, if you're not going to win a game, let's make sure we don't lose a game. Yeah. And there's been too many games this season where we've got in a position to get something from that game and ended up with nothing. Yeah, nothing. And and that is, defensively, we have to be better. Yeah. Ian, uh, and I'll come to each of you on this uh, point as well, we've got a game against Gary Rowett's Millwall at the weekend. I'm not saying it's a must-win, but it sort of is a must-win. Or, you know, a draw would be seen as failure. Then we got Fulham twice home in the Cup away uh, in the league um, wrong result against Millwall it starts to become a very big game against Cardiff in what would be the middle the latter part of the transfer window how, how are you viewing January as a month determining where we're going to end the season up do you think it's do you think it's pivotal do we need a cup run would you sooner have a win against Fulham in the cup three points or get a sneaky three points up at Craven Cottage the week after we played them, COVID permitting. What are your thoughts? I, I couldn't care less about the cup. Um, and because staying in the league, uh, staying in the championship is something that is an absolute, is absolutely paramount. Um, <clears throat> going back to what you were saying about uh, seven wins, that would, to get seven wins from 23 games would be a, much higher percentage than Nigel Pearson has achieved a career to date at City, where he's on, it would be a 30% win rate, win rate where he's on 24. Yeah. So I agree. I agree with Neil. I, I, a few weeks ago, I was looking at the fullback positions and I thought, Hmm. And I, I looked last night. So for me, we could do with up to six players. I don't think we'll bring in six <laughs> players, but right back, left back, Old, yeah. old I, I think we need um, I think we need a, a, well, I'm saying what we need I'm not saying what I think we'll do we need yeah. a centre back because uh, I can't see Baker being back this season no. No. Um, we need a holding midfield player because we just haven't got one at the club mm. uh, we definitely need a centre forward and we need somebody creative in midfield so that yeah. adds up to six players and you, we might be able to do that over two windows, but we definitely need three. And um, so going going back to the FA Cup, I'd much, much, much rather get three points against Fulham uh, or a point against Fulham away, three points against Millwall. I'd much rather do that than have a cup run because I think a cup run, once again, adds to injuries. I know Steve Lansdowne will be thinking, well, if we get a cup run and we get a big day out in Manchester or London, then we we could make money out of that, and I can see it from his point of view. But I'm I'm not bothered about the FA Cup. It's survival right. in this league, and anybody that doesn't think we're in a relegation battle is absolutely deluded. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're right, Mark. Um, we, we talked about players coming in. Do you think, um, you know, do you think at least one player of substance will leave Ashton Gate? Well, yeah, who's going to buy him and who's got any money? Uh, that's, that's the thing you've got to think of. Who's, who's got the money to spend? Premier League teams, um, only Premier League teams and, and teams who've come, who've come down have, have got any money. The rest of them are in, are, are in, the, uh, in the tank like us. They just haven't showed their, uh, their, their, their accounts. So, you know, who's, who's of any worth? Fine. But then who wants, who wants to buy him? Who's man enough to spend any money? So, we, you know. Who knows? But I, I just I, no, there's no, not, not a lot of worth there out, out there on the pitch. I mean, I, I don't think Darren, uh, Dan, uh, Dan Bentley's going anywhere, but he's got he has got some worth as maybe a, a second or third choice keeper for a Premier League team. Um, Alex Scott uh, has got has got some worth, for, for, you know, as as a developing player for a Premier League team, maybe you know, in the way that they the Chelsea offered uh, one million for Semenyo a few years ago, and we didn't take it. 
maybe. But City have got to score goals. The problem last night was when they when 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 we had our best spells of the game, we didn't take our chances. Similarly, we played like we did against Swansea, excellent for twenty minutes and then faded. And I think one of the big problems with that is I, I why play continue to play Semenya as your, as, your, as your as your striker when he'd be far better. Uh, taking on, you know, taking on the, the fullback or playing to the right of a three uh, or the right of a three and a four-two-three-one. Play, play Vyman there. He's a better finisher. I mean, he's nine goals a season tells you that. So why keep play, doing that? I don't understand it. You're playing down the middle yeah, consistently, Vyman. which he's never, he's never done that. He's never done that. Okay, guys, I need to wrap up. I'm just going to finish with uh, with Neil. Your your comments on the window and. You know, it, we got a win on Sunday, though, first and foremost, haven't we? Otherwise, it starts to get a bit sticky, doesn't it? It's Millwall, isn't it? God, I hate Millwall. You're not the only one. We never, <laughs> we never, we never, we never turn up against Millwall, and it's it's going to be that man in it, Jed Wallace. Yeah, he, Jed Wallace against us. Yeah, again, I don't know if he's playing at the moment. I know they've got a load of players out with coronavirus, and I know they fielded a load of under 18s and under 23s still won the other day but yeah one I mean they had on the, when, one lad they had on the bench was 15 nil you sure it was he? The ball, <laughs> they still won they still won and that, that's they where we are and it's, it's you know we, we, we're trying to do the right things and we're trying to get over the line and just get the points on the board and we just can't get any consistency yeah. but with regards to the transfer window which what you doing? Um, I think it's, it's. I don't think there'll be any transfer fees gone out because we've got contract negotiations with so many players in the summer mm. that I don't think we're going to be taking on a three-year contract for anybody. So then it's it's got to be loans, doesn't it? Well, it has, it's and, got to be, and, 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 and that's something that the manager this this manager isn't keen on. No, and you talk about out of contract players as well. Are they match fit? Where are they now? If they're at a contract now, they should be here now because there's no barrier to them, well, to them coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I see Ian's point with regards to the centre-back and obviously Mariapa, who, who we had in, who started well and then faded like everyone else. Mm. Um, Atkinson at the moment is a strange one, isn't it? Because mm. there is some talent there, but his body language is off, isn't it? He doesn't, he doesn't look comfortable. No, he I thought that. And he... I mean, he ha he has got an element of being bullied in games a little mm. bit. But then I think to myself, well, it's his first year in the championship. Two years ago, he was in non-league. Let's give the guy a yeah. chance. Let's not, you know, give him to develop. But he's come back in, as Ian has said, since his illness or since his injury. And his his body language on there, he's, he's nervous, he's agitated. and Yeah, not good. There's something not right with him. Guys, Mark, Ian, Neil, everybody, happy new year. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to be celebrating much tonight, but, um, you know, it's going to be a quiet one for me. We'll be back after the uh, Millwall game where we'll review that. We might talk a little bit more about the club's accounts, but everybody who's listened on this New Year's Eve and beyond, no doubt, thanks for listening and have a great night and have a happy New Year, every one of you. All the best. Cheers. Thank you, so have a happy New Year, everybody. Bye. Ta -da.